Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, today's show is a good one. They're always good. Uh, unless you live under a rock, uh, you've heard about the coronavirus that is affecting countries worldwide. The pandemic has spread rapidly throughout the world with the U.S. now leading the number of cases of people infected. So how is this outbreak affecting businesses around the globe? Will the markets be able to recover? What can we expect to talk to us about the effects of COVID-19? is having on business the stock market and what we need to do to prepare here in the U.S. and what we need to do into the future, because that's what we talk about in the show. We actually talk about that. It's amazing. I can't believe we. I got a hug from somebody on Wall Street, but I got a virtual hug. He's given, he's got a heart, and then I can't believe that, but that's what we got. So please welcome Jeffrey Hirsch, the CEO of Hirsch Holdings and the Editor-in-Chief of Stock Traders Almanac. Welcome, Jeff. It's good to have you here on the show. Good to be with you, Jeffrey. So what, I mean, what, what's the big thing you want to tell people right now? And we got all these people and mostly all business. This is all business. We got mostly all yeah. business people. What's the one piece you want to tell them right now when, with all the stuff that's going on with COVID, what's all going up in the market? Yes and no. What's the one thing you tell them? Stick to the system. You know, whatever you've got set up with your portfolio and with your, your, you know, market, stock market involvement, your investments, you got to stay with it. Uh, panicking and, and selling out has proven to to not work. Um, you know, if you need some some money to do something, that's another thing. But uh, basically, you know, this this will pass. We've had situations like this. We all remember 08, 09, um, 87, a little further back. And you know, anyone who does any history uh, research can look at the 70s, which was a pretty rough period of time from 73 to 74. So use the history. Yes, this is a black swan event, different than others, faster, more furious than we've ever seen. But um, the market does come back and the economy will be changed a little bit. But the one thing is, you know, stick with your system, stick with your setup and uh, don't panic. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, stay the course, stay the course. You know, we know this epidemic is causing a major disruptions worldwide. Without it's question. a wake up and- call. It's a good wake-up call for a lot of different reasons. I had yesterday. I had Alan Davis of iFi Services on the show, and we talked about uh, the manufacturing industry because he represents the C-suite network manufacturing council. And uh, you know, this stock market has seen a few dips, uh, without question. What does this mean to the economy, short term and long term? Short term, it's going to take a hit. I mean, we're seeing projections coming out of the the Fed for unemployment rates uh, of Depression era uh, numbers. Um, the economy is slowing down. I mean, people are still spending money. People are ordering things. Uh, they're purchasing things, but there's a lot of um, you know extra stuff, uh, non non essentials. I guess you'd call um, uh, you know non non staples that aren't being purchased and there's going to be some pent up demand for that uh so depending upon how long we're we're operating like this i mean and for me you know i I know you do a lot of digital work yourself and yep we operate remotely from wherever we are whether it's uh you know a conference call or a webinar from your hotel room when you're at a conference or whether it's 
meetings with GoTo or Zoom with team members that are in different parts of the country. So those of us in the financial industry uh, and in some of this, you know, higher corporate level stuff have been operating digitally and virtually for quite a while. And I think there's going to be more of that. I've got kids in the house that are learning, uh, doing distance learning. And there are days when they're actually, you know, doing more and benefiting me, from it. And days when, you know, the, the confinement gets a little bit much, but you know, you got to get outside and it's a wake up call for people to start thinking about everyone else around them, not just their money and their business, but you know, being a little more golden rule oriented and treating people the way you'd like to be treated and being a little more, you know, careful and, and conscientious and respectful of the place we live and who we're dealing with. You know, it's, it's people out there in America and other places are a little bit self-centered, you know? You know, Jeff, you're giving me a whole different view of a New Yorker. What the heck am I hearing from this uh, this hardened Wall Street trader? You're you're actually I'm an outdoors. My God, guy. you have a heart. What's the deal? I'm a surfer, a golfer. <laughs> I hike in the woods, man. I know how to I know how to paddle upstream in a canoe. I've crossed the James Bay in a canoe, man. I mean, it, there's more to it than just money. You know, I and I think that's a good part. I think we're going to come out of this a little kinder, a little gentler, quite frankly, a little bit. I use the word. I think we're going to come out of this more neighborly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, neighbors are what we have. I I talked to my neighbor across the street from the backyard over the fence. The yeah. other, you know, last night we have a little six foot, ten foot chit chat, and then we go back to our houses. You know, it's it's. There's the porch, you know, people hang out on the opposite ends of the porch now instead of, you know, sitting there at the at the kitchen island and, and, and chatting with your neighbor, you know, and it's hopefully it's a wake up call for the, the country. And the, I mean, I like to see some infrastructure. I mean, you know where I live right at the foot of the uh, old Tappensee Bridge, the new New York Bridge named after uh, Andrew Cuomo's father, the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Um, and that's the only big infrastructure project going on in the country, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. We could use a whole lot more of that. And maybe that's where we start putting people back to work and rejuvenating re, uh, um, the manufacturing uh, industry in this country and actually having our roads not be crumbling and our bridges not be crumbling and better smart grids and doing some things to modernize um, the actual infrastructure of, of the United States. But hey, we got a good question that just came in. Are you, seeing, are you seeing some of the money flowing into more ESG ETFs as we're now seeing that companies that care for their communities will have a positive impact? Not yet. I think it, yeah. I think it will be, I'm seeing money flow into biotech and, you know, consumer staples stuff right now. And um, that's where people are, you know, and healthcare and right. uh, companies that are delivering goods and producing goods that people need right now. But I think that's going to be a place and, and, and we've always had, I mean, my father, Yale Hirsch, who's in a nursing home in 96, and they do have some cases in his home nearby. So we're a little bit concerned about that. But um, yeah. way back in the 80s, he was a big solar uh, uh, bug. And, you know, we never really have seen some of this ESG stuff be economically or viable. Um, it's starting to become that way with this ESG movement where you can forfeit a couple of bucks to take care of the, you know, the planet and your environment and do things, but it's gotta be, there's gotta be a balance, you know? And I, and I think that's what we're struggling with here in the business community, uh, the wall street market community and, and as a, a society, uh, you know, as a whole. 
Hey, by the way, we're, we're broadcasting live. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. We're talking with Jeffrey Hirsch, uh, Wall Street uh, expert and uh, editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. And Brian, come. Thank you very much for that question. I like to try to work those questions in so that if you feed Please. them into me, folks, I try to do as best I can. But what do you think about, um, I, you know, I was talking yesterday and I've been talking this week because I got a chance to see the Fed. Uh, chairman speak, and he just said one of the best lessons they ever learned from 2008 was they didn't go fast enough and they mm -hmm. didn't go deep enough, which meant he goes, we're going to throw so much money at this problem that we're going to make your head spin, so to speak. And it seems to me like they've, they've actually gone fairly quickly and deep mm -hmm. enough to where it's settling everybody down with at least the loan programs for the employees, which is, you know, most small businesses' biggest concern. It's our second, you know, it's, well, it's actually our largest expense for the most part um, inside the businesses, our yep. people and talent. You know, I, I've, and by the way, I think it's been very smart because I think the government's saying, oh, no, we'll give you the money and you keep them in place keep it going, don't throw them into the unemployment, and then we've now got this huge problem and it's going to delay it even further. I think what they've done is pretty smart because that helps us keep it going. What, what's been your response and what's the response from the street? I think it's been helpful. I, I think you, you can see that sort of bottom, that potential bottom was put on the 23rd in response to the government throwing everything at it. And not just the, the Federal Reserve, but the finally the ability of, of Congress and Washington to work across the aisle to get something done that seems to actually have some some merit to it for everybody or many people in the country. So the street seems to be pretty giddy about it. We had a rally of you know over twenty percent, what twenty one plus percent in 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 you know three days was like twenty one point three. Um, yeah. We're probably going to test that low here. We're seeing some weakness here. The the medical issue is what people are watching, um, and we've got to see some some flattening of that curve. I mean, that's the buzzword right now. And, and sitting here, you know, 30 miles from Manhattan in my home and not really doing much, it's a curve that I really want to see flattened for personal reasons as well as for the country. So um, the money that's being thrown out is great. I'd love to see him throw some more money at biotech and use this, this um, uh, uh, freewheeling sort of uh, application of these new drugs and make a trial out of it so that we can get some empirical evidence and some some data, some evidence-based data at it, at it, if this stuff works, and and begin to start thinking about you know protecting our our country, our nation, um, and and everybody from these types of things. I mean, we were warned back when SARS and MERS happened. Um, this one came up on us like I mean I didn't think it was going to be any worse than that, and it really took off. I mean, it's one of those generational. Um, once a century type of situations that it looks like now. Um, we'll see if we, I don't think it'll get as bad as the Spanish flu, but um, I'm no virologist and I have yeah. really no we're, we're, you and I are, You and I are experts. I'll, I'll take more of your, your expertise on the stock market than I will about whether this is going to last. I'm going to listen to those people, yeah. right? I think we all will. I think we, Mr. Uh, Dr. Fauci is, is somebody that we, we uh, are privileged to have working for us as, as a country to uh, keep us in, in, in check on that. But it's, it's, wise, fun to, it's go ahead. Yeah. It's fun to watch the social media. I've seen somebody that knows him, knows him well from back when school and it's good to see a good Brooklyn kid make well. Hey, listen, let's, we got to take a quick break so we sure. can pay for the show. 
Uh, so let's take a quick break and come right back. I'm talking to Jeffrey Hurst, the editor-in-chief of Stock Traders Almanac. We'll be right back on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. C-Suite Radio. Hey, Jeffrey, um, again, everyone that we're shooting, we're, we're filming live, we're taping live uh, for All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. You know, on C-Suite Radio, we've got a couple of hundred uh, podcast shows. So make sure that if you like this show, you'll like other shows. There's many other shows that are doing a great job on all kinds of things, everything from finance to leadership, to law, every aspect that you can think of in business and your personal life right there on C-Suite Radio. Jeffrey, uh, we're talking again with Jeffrey Hirsch, the editor-in-chief of Stock Traders Almanac. We're talking about uh, today's impact around um, all the things COVID, but just in the market in general. Where auto sales in China are down about 92% right now. The airline industry has seen like $30 billion in losses. And I keep hearing $100 billion, maybe $200 billion. And even companies like P&G are seeing disruptions. What are best practices or plans that businesses need to put in place in order to help turn some of that around? You mean for- Yeah, just from a perspective of what's gonna make people, what what's gonna make an investor feel stronger about going back and investing in those companies? You know, <laughs> just having it all washed out, seeing the, the airline industry. I mean, I had a trip being planned with my, uh, my buddies for our 50th friend anniversary, and that's all, just on ice. One of our one of our friends is a is a bar owner. He owns a pub. He's shut down. So what people are going to need to see is some return to normalcy. And I think the airline industry is going to be, um, you know, forever changed. People were traveling everywhere and looking for flights. There's going to be reductions in in routes. So people need to see a company that you know and 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 industries that are able to function um, in in all situations. Uh, I mean, in our industry, the financial industry, we're still working. We're still on there. We also uh, are part of a, a mutual fund. Probabilities fund management is is another position I have. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but nope, um, wasn't. But that's uh, good to put it in there. Yeah, the chief market strategist there, and we run a a portfolio of strategy based on um, the seasonal patterns in the stock and the stock traders almanac, amongst other things. And we've had some some pretty hairy uh, uh, markets to deal with right here. And it's caused us to create, um, you know, a better metric for uh, getting out of, of, of situations and getting out of positions and trimming things when we've got this type of market behavior, these wild swings. So um, that's a benefit for us that it's really forced us to, to develop something even more robust for our system. So people are going to need to see companies that are able to, 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 you know, adapt and change. And if you can adapt and change to this upheaval, then that's a company that's going to be able to adapt and change to anything that, com that comes at it down the line. Well, Jeff, you know me, I've written a couple of books and one of my common themes is adapt, change or die. And this couldn't be more apropos right now. Hey, do you, do you think this, uh, this entire activity that's going on right now that we're seeing what we call the new norm, um, you know, certainly challenging. Do you think this will indicate a shift in the countries we do business with? I mean, we're hearing Trump talk about the Chinese disease, the Chinese uh, infection. You know, yeah. workforce companies he's, to take a look he's, elsewhere. He's dialed that language back a bit. Um, yeah. 
but you know, there's something to be said there. Uh, we're not, I'm not here to get into any conspiracy theories, but there's, there's some, some of them going around that, you know, this is something that's there. There's a lot um, of, by the way, Jeff, there's a lot of morons out there right now. I, there, I, I took three people off my Facebook feed that today, just because they're, they're talking about these conspiracy theories. Come on. Yeah, I, I'm with you. But on let's, that. let's just talk about, do you I think it'll be a fundamental shift? Like for instance, 34% of our GMP is over in China, comes yeah. from China, 17% worldwide. To me, there, there's been uh, 90% of our pharmaceuticals are manufactured in China. Scary. To me, that, yeah, that's scary. That doesn't seem right. Seems like to me, I would put them in different places besides just one region. You'd like to think, I'd like to see that also. I'm, I'm sort of not having trouble being convinced that we're gonna be able to make that fundamental shift, at least quickly. Um, you know, people that are making lots of money in, you know, high level positions in these companies that manufacture that stuff are doing it over there because of the profit margins. Okay. Right. It's going to be a long, it's going to take, I don't know how long it's going to take. It's going to take more time than you and I would like for them to shift and be able to do things in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world, and even back here in this country. Uh, it would be nice if we had more of it here and didn't have everything coming out of one place. I mean, you got to have your eggs in more than one basket, I would think, for getting all your goods. Some of it started to shift um, as, you know, what was in response to the, the trade uh, battles that we were having. But I'm not convinced it's going to happen fast enough. For Do you think, you, yeah, you don't think this is a wake up call for that? It is. I'm just not convinced we're going to be able to get people out of their stuck in their ways fast enough or, you know, sooner than later. Um, it's going to make a change. I think it's going to take more time than than would make you happy. I, Do you th think, I think you'd like to see yeah. it happen faster. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, between the two of us and then the thousands and thousands and hopefully millions that are listening in, yeah. you know, this, hey, listen up, boards. This should be a wake it's up. It's up to time. us. Yeah. No, it, this is a... This is a this is a board decision. This is a board leadership decision that needs to say we're not going to put all of our eggs in the basket. We have to have multiple points of manufacturing, and it we should bring. To, it quite frankly, come. we should bring a good deal of it home to our home countries, sure. where we service the majority of the people in our marketplaces. That's where you should produce it. I mean, masks and ventilators and tests. I mean, that's that's a microcosm or emblematic of our, of our problem. Why can't we have that stuff in this great country in the United States? Why is that stuff not being pumped out? Well, Why are there no I'm, thermometers, you know, in Walgreens? I dealt yesterday, Jeffrey, I dealt yesterday with someone who called a member in our C-suite network and one of our Hero Club members uh, inside of our network who had access to masks and access to COVID kits, millions of them. And I was able to finally get through to the Office of Emergency Management in New York and saying, look, this guy, I think he's legit. I think this is all legit. I think they really do have it. They've shown me all the stuff. They show me the FDA approval. How do we get this stuff to, to you? Immediately, they, they called. I had them call the person. They called me back and said, it's a legit. We want everything you can get your hands on. Problem is, how do you ship 5 million 3M N95 masks how do you ship that in a, a time we met? There's not enough planes. We had to get on the phone to the U.S. government, get a hold of Wesley Clark, <laughs> and then, who says, I will, make, I will make the force of the United States military available, yeah. and that's how we're going to get them back. Get and a bunch but, of C-130s out there. But isn't that, to me, that's crazy. We, you know, that, it, That's what's going to have to happen, a public-private 
consortium, you know, working together to get things done. I mean, it's not going to just come from boardrooms in America. It's going to come from people like you and, and this other person getting together and getting on the phone to the government and, and, and getting people to work together. It's not going to come from one board saying, OK, we're moving from China to, to South Dakota, but it's going to come from governors, senators, yeah. Congress, Washington, people with an agenda. But we need like, you know, a a John F. Kennedy, we're going to the moon type of situation. Somebody, we need another, not necessarily a Green New Deal, but a more Roosevelt-esque New Deal to get the country working together to build things and, and do, do the things that we need to do to support our society. So, so it's it's going to take a collective effort. So uh, Stephen Wise asked the question. It's a good one. It just popped up. He said, "How how do you what, how do you make the business case for bringing supply chain capacity from China back to North America?" You got to be comfortable with a, a little less profit. You got to yeah. put country and and you know survivor survival before the dollar in some instances. That's what it has ESG to be a value. It has to you know, Jeff. It has to be a value based decision. A value. It's an it has to be ethical a, decision as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, I think that ethical and values go in the same thing, but it has to be a key decision that says, yeah, first of all, we're willing to accept less profits. Second of all, it's it's the, and I think most importantly, it's the right thing to do. Why, I, why would you put, listen, there's a saying, all of your eggs in one basket. Right. No one does that. And here we have done it. I mean, and look at what it's causing. Why do they, Why does this potential CEO of some company have to be making X millions of dollars a year? Couldn't he? Couldn't he take a million off of that and bring some manufacturing back to the states and <laughs> pay some workers some more money? I mean, it's going to have to be people who are, you know, in the top one percent and 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 such taking a hit, taking a salary cut. We've seen companies reporting that already. They're taking, you know, management's taking cuts. People are taking payroll cuts right through this particular situation we're having right now. So people are going to have to choose between the most profitable company out there and this ESG responsible, you know, corporation, um, you know, movement. Well, man, maybe it would maybe some some company leaders won't set up GoFundMe pages for their employees when they're billionaires. That's the other thing. All right. Now, don't get me started. It's a different topic, different thing. But I think it's it's. It, we got a minute or so left here, and I want to make sure that we do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, before that, why don't we take a quick break if we can, and then we'll come right back and ask a final couple of questions. All right, you listen to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Uh, we're filming and taping live uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook. We've got so many great people who are joining us and giving us some great. Uh, input as we're uh, doing this live. Great experiment. And I think I like this. I'm telling my team right now that are listening in, I like this. We're going to keep this going. This is um, fun. This is it's good. Been, it's actually, it's a great way to be able to, to to do a show, a great way to be able to have the interaction that we're having. Hey, do you think, uh, let me ask you a, a good, maybe final question as we wrap up. Is there a positive outlook that we can look forward to here? I think that's what we've been getting at this whole conversation, Jeff. Um, the positive outlook is, you know, golden rule of living, uh, taking care of um, the society, the community around you, being more neighborly and having companies that are more responsible um, in to, to, you know, ethics and values and, and the community and their and their employees other than just the, the dollar and the profit line and the bottom line. So I think that's the, the benefit. Um, you know, wake up calls, we've been saying for how people behave, how people, 
um, invest their money in how governments behave and uh, prepare their societies for, um, you know, worst case scenarios. There's a, a bit of Talmudic wisdom that comes from a, a quote from John Malone, you know, the uh, media mogul. And he said, uh, Moses Shapiro, I'll try to say what I do from memory. It's an almanac quote. Moses Shapiro from uh, General Instrument, uh, I think it was General Instrument, told him back in the day, um, this is Talmudic wisdom. Few people have um, plans for when their assumptions work out. Always ask the question, if not, that's Talmudic wisdom, something along those lines. So that's, we got to be prepared for those contingencies. So it's great, it's great, great lessons, and we're getting great lessons from our audience as well. Hey, Jose, uh, Marquez, Leon, thank you very much. Yeah, it does take a lot of time for us to be able to ship millions of masks from China. It's 12 to 21 days. I think this is going to help us shift the way we look at our supply chain. I think it'll help. I think it will help limit just in time inventory. I think we're going to find out there's some some inventory you need to have inventory. There's a reason why you call it inventory, and you want to have right. it ready for those yes. those kinds of uh, those kinds of occurrences. And for sure, Janice, I oh I love that. You know, we're going to be talking more and more about how business is going to be different as we emerge. So keep listening in. Without question, we're going to have it. Hey, Jeffrey, I want to thank you very much for being a part of the show today, giving us some impact. We've been talking with Jeffrey Hirsch, and he is the editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. He's a very good friend. I wish you to be safe, my friend, as we transition on to the next show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Be safe and be well. Thank you, and be busy. Hey, at the end of every show, I always like to talk about the things I learned. And what I learned is what we always know. Don't panic. You got to take a deep breath. You got to center yourself. You got to get back and you got to get your head back in the business, folks. Got to keep it in the business. That's your job. Whether you're a business first responder or you're the business that needs some response, you got to keep your head in the game. And that's what Jeffrey was saying. This too shall pass, and it will pass, but we as business first responders, we as leaders of businesses have to keep our head in the game because we got a lot of people counting on us. So that's what I, that's what I learned today. Okay, for those of you uh, waiting, we're going to take just about a 30-second uh, break as we make it, not even 30 seconds, so just a few seconds as we kind of get ready for our next guest, which will be Stephen Lashinsky. And he's going to be joining us. We're going to talk about evolution of leadership in uncertain times. That's what we've got to do. So thanks so much. And um, we'll uh, keep listening. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. C-Suite Radio. We're doing a marathon of shows. And today's show is about leadership. And leadership has changed drastically in the past few decades. And it's transformed how we do business. It's no longer a top-down driven world. Take what has happened in the past few weeks, for instance, it's almost like you've seen a new set of rules to play by. This transformational change has forced the hand of organizations to engage, to connect, to listen, to include their people, their customers and vendors in conversations pertaining to business. And my guest today is a leader in this field. Steve Lashansky is the CEO of Optimize International, a company that maximizes the development of top leaders. And he works with leaders across the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000. He's helping businesses big and small. And he talks about how do we engage everyone effectively and how we can motivate and elevate people to become better leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Steve Lashansky. So my first question, 
What's the main concern coaches and thought leaders and speakers have right now? Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, I always say you got to stay safe. You got to stay healthy. You also need to stay a little sane. And, uh, you know, today I think just staying centered is one of the most important things. You know, making decisions is always, I call it the most critical first step. The decisions you make drive everything else. And when you're under stress, it's not the time you make your best decisions. So hopefully there's been some forethought or you can create some space and clearing to make better decisions. But uh, quality of decision-making has got to be one of your metrics all the time. Do you, are you, do you, are you been talking to a lot of coaches and thought leaders lately about what they're seeing from their clients and, and how they're reaching out and helping? <laughs> yes, I have. And everybody, you know, it's really interesting to me, Jeff, what's fascinating is under the greatest pressure, some of the best humanity shows up. I mean, so many people yeah. are like, just like what you're doing here and what I've been doing, just offering place for community to come together, offering uh, what I call laser coaching, you know, no charge, just come in for 25 minutes. Let me help you really sort quickly. Because again, let's get to the point where we can make good decisions. But yeah, people are stepping up. I think that's what happens when people are challenged, when we're challenged as a culture, as a society, as a world. I think our humanity steps forward. If we can maximize that, we're going to be in great shape because that's also one of the essences of leadership. I posted something today on my Facebook, which I thought was kind of not only cute, but heartwarming. You talk about that. The best of humanity shows up. I loved it. I love that saying. Um, in South Dakota, young young girl in Madison, I think it was Madison, South Dakota, was having trouble with her math. Her parents couldn't help her. Her dad's a coach at the local university. And I think it might have been Mitchell or Madison. I can't remember mm-hmm. which one it was, which community. It doesn't really make a difference. But it was South Dakota. And young girl was having trouble with her math. Her parents couldn't help her, um, was really struggling with it. And the teacher showed up, went out, was outside the door, the front door, <laughs> had a big poster board. And he's giving her the lesson and, and showing her how to do it. And that's, uh-huh. that's cool. That's yeah. cool. It, but that's, that's what you're doing right now, isn't it? That's what other thought leaders and coaches and trainers, the people that are in our C-suite, then, you know, network thought council, you know, the, the, the creme de la creme. I mean, you guys are, I call you the America's for a business first responders. You're, you're really, truly running into the fire and you're helping businesses. And that's what I see every single day. You know what? I'll tell you what, it's one of the best opportunities for us to really show what's possible, what we're capable of. And it's not to you know go out and generate more business. It's to make sure that we've got businesses to keep running, that we've got leaders who really remember the key essences of leadership, that people remember why they're working. And it's not just to you know, make sure you can pay that grocery bill, but you know there's a lot more to it. We've got to remember all the important things that underlie us doing our best, because when we're doing our best, it gets easier to do everything else. It does. Talk to me about the importance of having a community, especially now when the entire world is looking to shift the way they do business. It seems like to me, we're telling everybody to go, go away, you know, but I'm telling everybody, even though if you go away, you have to have that community. How important do you think it is? Well, listen, let's just start at the very beginning. I mean, the essence of learning, everything that we learn, we learn socially. We don't learn by ourselves, sitting by ourselves in a corner. Even if we've got the best books, we learn by the dialogue that happens. I mean, Jeff, just look at the C-suite, you know, the thought council that we have, the kind of conversations that happen there. You're talking about top-notch folks who are really talented and successful in their own niche. 
And yet at the same time, we learn every time we get together. Learning is a social phenomenon. But more important, we're social beings. Even the introverts know that. You know, we do need that contact with people. Those of us who are extroverts, it's a whole other story right now. We need to just be in contact. But reality of it is we learn socially, we survive socially, we thrive socially. And if you don't have a community, you'd be surprised at how easy it is to pull one together. I mean, just your neighbors. We're seeing our neighbors when we're out walking. And it's just there's more good dialogue now than we've had in a very long time. Of course, we're just getting over winter up here in New Hampshire. So we don't see well, New Hampshire, that much. in South Dakota, we're not getting over a winter until June. <laughs> That's the way it works for us. But it, it's coming. Uh, we, we, had, we had some snow out in the Black Hills, I think, yesterday. But, yeah. you know, it, it's important. I say right now about some keeps. I'm telling everybody, you know, what I call my five keeps to keep under your hat to keep you in the game, because I think that's what you have to do as a business leader. And as business first responders, folks like yourself, other coaches and trainers and thought leaders who are out there helping people every single day, you know, one of the big things I'm telling everybody is go join a tribe, be a part of it. You know, you mentioned the, you know, we've mentioned the thought council, you're part of that. And I have like 77 really high level leaders like yourself that are doing these for corporations, doing this for business, where you're the business first responders, you've been helping them for years. And yet you're part of that community. And every week we're getting together and we're going through the things that we need to do to stay sane, to stay focused, to stay motivated, because it's important for us to stay motivated because we're seeing, you know, like a lot of, of, of the first responders in hospitals and, and in, in the healthcare line, we're seeing we're we're doing triage. We're doing those right. kinds of things for businesses and helping people through some hard, hard decisions. So it's important to have that kind of backup, isn't it, Steve? Well, it's not important. It's essential. I mean, Jeff, here's the point. Every one of us, listen, there's nobody who's up 100 percent of the time unless they're on drugs. And we don't want those kind of folks. But, uh, you know, the point of it is, is that all the time we got to keep asking ourselves, how do we get better? How do we grow? How do we create more impact? How do we deliver more value? I mean, those are really the key questions we should be asking ourselves every day, not just under stress and difficult situations. And a lot of times having new thinking and having the thinking of other great thinkers, other great professionals is fastest way for me to really continue to grow. One of the things I've noticed coaching a lot of really extraordinary leaders over the years There's an axiom I created. It's always the best who are most committed to being better. The folks who think they're fine are usually going to be in the toilet soon. But I'll tell you you what. Uh, Listen, that's a gem. That's a keeper. And you've given a bunch of keepers here today. And and it's it's fun to watch as we're – here we are. We're filming this and we're taping this. We're taping this for our podcast, but we're filming it so people can see it. I'm getting some great comments. Thank you, Gord Griffith. There's one of my big heroes right there. He said we're being. He said we're being real leaders by by doing what we're doing. And and Teresa and and Jeff. I saw uh, Jim Wilkie and some others. Thank you. Keep these things coming, uh, James Bellman. Keep this stuff coming. We appreciate it. And keep this all the comments going because it's good for us as well. What What are the top three? things people need to do to pivot successfully to adapt in this uh, current environment that we find ourselves. And I say current environment because everybody keeps thinking like it's the new, it's the new, it's always the new, (laughs) it's just different. I'll tell you, being on the front lines with leaders, it feels like this most of the time. This is just more intensive (laughs) because everybody knows it's happening. You know, the leaders are always trying to figure out the future. First of all, you got to remember where you are and where you're going. That's the first order of business. You know, I worked with the FAA a long time ago. They said you're off course 98% of the time when you fly. But if you know where you are and you know where you're going, you can figure out how to maneuver around all the things that get in your way. 
So you always got to have a clear path to where you're headed. You know, even in times like this, you've got to have a future in, in place. And a leader, one of the best things a leader can do is really build a compelling future that people find compelling right in the moment. That's one of the first things. Know where you are, know where you're going. You've always got to have metrics like that and points like that in order to do it. I think the second thing, Jeff, is, you know, to really engage people, to really show the respect, the care, the uplift. I mean, people thrive on being supported and the best leaders know how to support their people, take care of them. Who are you taking care of? Who are you contributing to today? You know, if it's all about you surviving, even if you're in a tough circumstance, it's going to be harder than if you're out there doing something for somebody else. You got to make a difference for other people. And every leader needs to do that every day, every hour. Who are you making a difference for? The third thing for me, Jeff, is to really make sure that your strategies serve in alignment with your goals and your mission. And, you know, it might think that, we, you know, everything's thrown up in the air. Everything's not thrown up in the air. We still have to make coherent decisions. What are your decisions based on? That's part of back to point one. Where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, as they say in Alice in Wonderland, any path will do. That's not going to be helpful to us. We need to be plotting the path. Sometimes we're building the bridge as we go across it. But, you know, nonetheless, we got to start building and, you know, staying one step ahead of where everybody else is. At least one step, if not further. Hey, good points. We're on. Uh, this is All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. We're going to take a quick break. C-Suite Radio. My next question for you, I'm talking to Steve Lashansky. Steve's a, uh, an, a business coach to the corporations. He's just been doing a great job over the years of doing everything he's got. It's amazing. And we're getting some great gems that are coming out of this particular interview. Um, my next question, how are you maintaining business continuity? Well, you know, first thing is, you know, last two weeks have been really something, just staying with the clients. You know, it's really making sure people are as solid as they can possibly be, making sure the basics are in place. You know, the basics are right back to what we started with. Where are you headed? Where are you now? What do you need to do to bridge that gap? What are you doing to take care of your people? Because that's the first order of business. When your people feel taken care of, they're going to take care of you. So, you know, business continuity, Jeff, I'll tell you what, it's staying in the game, reaching out. I just put out an offer. I do a lot of work with CIOs. They're under immense pressure right now. You know, I mean, here's the funny thing. Uh, one of the major financial institutions in the city here in Boston, you know, recognized that they always had people working from home, but they had a basically, they were equipped to handle 20% of their people working from home. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> the world changed instantaneously. So well, here's the thing. Makes, that, that makes a lot of companies like iGel and others that I happen to know that make these secure, thin clients yeah. a lot smarter because they're doing that. So you mentioned yeah. this for CIOs. By the way, I think the things you're talking about, regardless of whether you're in a pandemic or, you know, in regular business, this is stuff yeah. you do anyway. No, absolutely. It should be, you know, again, the basics. This, and I'm not talking about the simplest, easy stuff. I'm talking about the things that make the difference for building a solid business, the things that yeah. making a difference for building a strong leadership team. You know, one of the things. So, I mean, my best offer is really, number one, I have a community gathering. I call it the uh, extroverts recovery group here because the extroverts <laughs> need more contact. But also, you know, putting out a 25-minute laser coaching for any CIO who wants it. Because again, sometimes it's that few minutes to get reconfigured, refocused, reorganized to, you know, step back and think for a few minutes is going to make you that much more productive over the next days and hours, you know, hours, days and weeks. So just to put that out, I mean, no charge. 
you know, to my that, network that, of well, CIOs. That's awesome. So yeah. you take them up on it, folks, and you email me or just send me a comment on, on uh, LinkedIn or on Facebook. I'll make sure you check with, you know, connect with Steve Lashansky, L-I-S-H. A-N-S-K-Y, the CEO of Optimize International. That's who we're talking about. Steve, you mentioned CIOs. I mentioned this earlier in the show, um, but you mentioned that you've worked a lot with them. Aside from right this minute with what's going on with just the sheer mass of being able to support, what have you seen? Have you seen the role of CIOs change over the last few years? Well, you know, Jeff, I want to give a little bit of history because I work with CIOs. My first Fortune 500 client in 1994 was a CIO of a Fortune 500 financial institution. And I walk in and anybody who knows technology will really laugh at this. There were seven IBM ThinkPads around the table and I had a Mac. And then you know, two, they were looking at me like, oh, my God, how did he get in here? That was sacrilegious. But oh, I said, yeah, hey, I can remember those days. I said, guys, you didn't hire me for technology. You're way too smart for that. But you don't know how to talk to clients. So I started talking about what it takes to be a business leader as an IT executive 25 years ago. The last few years, that's become the mantra in IT. You got to be a business leader. You got to be a business partner. You got to understand your partner's business. Nobody has the capacity to touch a company like a CIO. There's only three major organizations that touch everybody outside of the CEO himself or herself. And that's IT, that's finance, and that's HR. IT is the one that leverages business, that accelerates business, that elevates business. So what happens is you need to be able to be a business partner of the first order. If you can't do that, you're not going to be a successful IT executive in this day and age. And a lot of times what's happening now are people coming in to lead the IT function out of business with no IT background. I was just 25 years ahead of my time, I guess, Jeff. But, you know, (laughs) the big issue is, are you building strategic alignment? Is everything you're doing building value for the business, not just delivering technology results? You know, technology is your tool. It's not your result. We got to be really cognizant of what our result is. It's the same thing in any leader. You know, a lot of us are really good at something. But the question is, how do you use that something, that tool, that excellence that you have in order to deliver the results that your colleagues, your clients, your organization really needs? Remember, it's the outcomes that matter. It's the outcomes that matter. It's not the activities. It's not the tools that matter. So let's think, uh, well, before we move on, in fact, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a commercial and take a break right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Hey, my next question is, what is the top priority that C-level executives need to implement to accelerate results and spur some growth? Well, I'll tell you what, the single biggest thing I find is that you don't have a team that's what I call strategically aligned. And what that means to me, and here's what I would say. I go into an organization. I say, give me five minutes each with your top five executives, and I'll tell you how strategically aligned your organization is. I'm going to ask them three questions. That's it. What's your vision? What's your mission? What are your top three strategic objectives for this year? If your top five people do not have the same answer, your organization is basically running a conga line. Guess how many times I've gotten the same answer from five top executives over the last 20 plus years? I would think it'd be maybe once. Uh, no, it'd be zero. It'd be zero, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so the I, first I order of business. I was hopeful. <laughs> I'm always hopeful. I keep waiting for the first one. I've gotten yeah. three out of five one time. That's really good. But here's the point. I mean, how can you be running an organization where the fundamental rationale for what are you doing, what's most important, and why are you choosing those as the most important objectives is not shared across your senior team? 
Because even in a small organization, that's enough for just, I mean, literally dissipation of energy, of focus, of results. And what happens then is you're getting so much less. My big rationale for doing what I do is that I see so many talented, committed, hardworking, caring people who are producing far less than you think they should. When you put that kind of group of talent together, they should be a multiplier factor, not a divisor or a subtractive factor. And what happens is it's a rare organization where everybody's on the same page around what's most important. You know, another key factor, Jeff, you know, I always talk about the 50 choices dilemma. I give this to every CEO and every CIO I ever talk about. You got 50 choices in a day. For some of us, that's a good day. You only got 50 yeah. things to do. You right. got two choices. You only get one. You never get to touch the other. Choice number one, you get to take care of priorities one, two, and three. You never touch the other 47. Choice number two, you handle priorities four to 50. You never touch one, two, and three. What's your choice? I mean, I common sense. Be, yeah, it's got to be one, two, and three. Guess what? That's not common practice. Well, you know I, why? No, I, uh, totally. <laughs> you know why? Because most of the time, nobody knows what priorities one, two, and three are. You know, we're uh, just in a to-do list uh, jam here, which is insane when you look at that, you know, and if you're not helping, you make, if you're not making the right decision about what's number one, two, and three, and you're not communicating it well, you're not leading well. And if your executive team can't say, we know what our top three strategic priorities for organization is, let us figure out what our division's gonna do to support that, you're in trouble. And if the CIO doesn't know what the top strategic objectives for the organization and their colleagues and their clients are, guess what? We're spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money that's not going where it should. Now, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you a question about find uh, how often you find companies aren't aligned in their mission, vision, and strategic goals. But you just answered that. Hundred percent. I keep. You know, some of them are close. I had a client one time. The average tenure in this executive team, there were twelve of them, was I think nine years. And they said, "Oh, we got our vision, our mission. We were good." I said, "Good. So why don't we just break into small groups? And you talk about. It. I'll give you ten minutes, and then we'll discuss what it means now because you created it four years ago." Well, that discussion took two hours and it was a whole new reconstruction of their vision and mission because they kind of had it on the wall. If it's on the wall, it's not doing you any good. It's in your head, it's your heart and your gut. Otherwise, it's not real. Let me ask you a question. What is What are your metrics for success? For me, it's the success yeah. of my clients. You know what? Everything I do, when I do coaching, I, I'm sort of the heretic in the coaching profession. I always tell everybody, you don't. nobody needs a coach. What you need are better results faster. Now, coaching is a great way to get better results faster, but let's not mistake the tool for the outcome. So coaching is a great way to get better results faster. But the reality of it is nobody needs a coach. So what I always say is everything's built on what metrics we're going to be achieving together. When I start an engagement with somebody, whether it's coaching, it's strategic alignment, facilitation, it's anything, the question becomes, what are our most important metrics? What are priorities one, two, and three that we're going to achieve together? And the ability to achieve those is, for me, what I gauge my success by. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Steve Lasansky. He's the CEO of Optimize International, very good friend, a member of our C-Suite Network Thought Council. And among the many things that he does, he's a best-selling author, and the title of his book is, refers to Selling Differently Changed the World. And without a, without a question, Steve Lashansky is one of those guys that's changing the world, and we're glad to have him right here today on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. What a pleasure, Jeff. Let's continue to do the work we both know is so important for the rest of the world. 
At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And what I learned is one, two, three, four to 50. One, two, three, four to 50. What do we mean by that? Listen, I don't know about you, but I got a long list of things to do every single day. In fact, I sometimes keep the same list for an entire week because I'm not concentrating on the priorities. One, two, three. What are the one, two, three things in your business that are top priorities? That's what you'd be working on. Not the list of four to 50. I'll guarantee you have that list in front of you. Cross it off. Stop it. Delegate it to somebody else and focus on the one, two, three. Thank you, Steve Lusansky, for that big tip. That's what I learned today. Hopefully, you've learned something else as well. And don't forget to tell someone that you listen to it right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.